Chicago Bears football is partly about the weather. The elements who can handle them better give Chicago the home field advantage. But would you rather see them in Arlington Park with a dome, with a with a big time facility that they created, or would you rather see them here in Chicago? Hi, you're now listening to the Bear Minimum Podcast with Clay Harbor and Marshall Harris. Over the middle to Harbor, touchdown! We're going to be talking all things Bears all the time. We'll have interviews and commentary from your favorite players and beat writers from the city of Chicago. If you love the Chicago Bears and you love the NFL, you're in the right place. And this podcast is sponsored by Joy District Chicago. Come experience the three floors of Joy District. The first floor, Parlay at Joy, the ultra-modern sports bar. The second floor, the Club at Joy, the hottest dance club in the city. And the third floor, the Roof at Joy, the rooftop bar with great views of Chicago. Joy District is open Monday through Friday from 5 p.m. to 2 a.m., Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 a.m., and Sunday from 2 p.m. to 12 p.m. We will see you at Joy District. Eight straight losses, but we're still rolling here on the Bare Minimum Podcast along with Clay Harbor, former NFL tight end. I'm Marshall Harris. We have another game. We have another loss to talk about. The Bears, who, as you'll remember, started 2-1, and one, now 3 and 12 on the season. Clay, your initial thoughts on another Bears loss. This one not quite close. From a point standpoint, it's their biggest loss of the season after a 35-13 uh, hammering by the Bills in which they were able to hang tough. Had a lead at halftime, 10-6, to but then the Bills literally just ran away from them. Yeah, I mean, anytime you lose your eighth straight game, it's not good. But I think this game was was closer than... The score indicated, which I hate that term, closer than the sc- score indicated because the score was a score. But eight minutes left in the game, they're only down 21 to 13. I know the, the, the score ended up being 35 to 13, but they're in this game. They're in the game. And I think the number one thing this team needs to figure out is how to finish. How do you finish games? And you got to learn that through the game from the offensive coordinators. First year, Luke Getze, Alan Williams. You know, how do you finish these games? You're in it. Eight minutes left in the game. You got the ball. You're only down one score, and then ends up getting away from you. So young team, they got to learn how to finish. There's some positives. You're playing one of the best teams in the league, and you played them tough for you know most of the game, 45 minutes, 50 minutes. Those last 10 got away from them. So you know I think it was a little bit better of a game than the score indicates, but there's still a lot of things that uh, the Bears are missing, to say the least. What jumps out at you when you look at things that went right for the Bears? Let's let's talk about it because there's enough negatives that we could fill a whole podcast with. But let's let's try to talk a little bit about the positives. What jumped out positive about this game? Turnovers, man. I think the number one thing positively is you see this hits principle kind of taking form. They're a middle of the road turnover ranked team, but you got to see Kyler Gordon second week in a row. He has an interception. You love that. Nick Morrow didn't have a great game, was graded pretty poorly, uh, according to PFF. And, you know, I'm waiting for the All-22 to come out. Should drop today uh, to really see my thoughts on it. But from first look, he didn't play that well. But a big turnover for him. And the fact that they got three. They got three turnovers, and they were able to capitalize on that and to keep the game pretty close. So hits principles coming along. You know, you see Eberflus is, is really preaching about it. So you love to see that coming along. You love to see Kyler Gordon getting an interception. If he's a guy that can create turnovers, create problems like that, then I think the future's bright. And, and also, you look at your secondary. 
Jaquan Brisker, Kyler Gordon, Jalen Jones. I mean, you're running out there with four rookies, four rookies, a couple undrafted rookies. Also, DeAndre Houston Carson. Obviously, they didn't play great. You know, a couple big runs that they looked pretty ugly on. Nobody even touched Singletary, James Cook, and those big runs. But overall, you know, I think the secondary, you know, is is a plus, and I see them coming along nicely. So for me, I've been waiting and waiting, and we've been kind of like, you know, not not just denigrating him, but Bayless Jones Jr. hadn't done anything all season. Yeah, This was by far his best game of the season. People will point to uh, the big 44-yard reception, the fact that he caught some balls. Forget about that for a moment. This man was drafted for his speed. He put the speed on full display when you look at him in the kicking game and the kick return game. Three kick returns, 31 yards, a kick return. That's explosive. That is difference-making in special teams. Yeah, definitely. And... um. I was, you know, I love reading the next gen stats, the ESPN next gen stats. You know, it, they do a good job of, of some obscure stats. But the one thing I always like to see is the top speeds of players. Like it's just something fun that I always like to look at. Who's running fast? And Vela's Jones on that catch, it's a ball carrier, was the third fastest player all week. He ran all twenty one and a half miles per hour you can't you can't even ride your bike that fast marshall so the fact that he was able to get 21 and a half miles an hour that shows you how fast and how explosive this guy can be looking forward to next year i hope i hope that justin fields doesn't have to rely on Bayless jones but it was good to see him make a play in the past game it was good to see him do some things in the kick, the kick return game, can he return punts? I don't know. He's going to have a whole offseason to work on it. Can he become a better pass catcher? Guy's going to be 26 years old. He's not your typical rookie. I think he can get better. He's got a lot of work to do this offseason. He should buy a jugs machine, wake up every morning, catch 100 balls. Before you go to bed, catch 100 balls. During lunch, catch 100 balls. This is your career, buddy. You figure out how to catch, you can be something. But I do not. Going into next season, I do not want Justin Fields relying on Valus Jones as a part of this receiving core. Obviously, you have Claypool, you have Mooney coming back, but besides that, I know you got Valus Jones coming back. I, I would like to see him as a fifth wide receiver, and then you got to see if you can bring him on as, as a specialist. And he's shown he can do some things in the kick return game. I want to see if you can consistently catch the ball as a punt returner, get him all training camp. You give him the opportunity in the preseason. If you're not 100% confident he can, you can't put him out there because he's literally lost you games this year. Valus Jones has lost the Bears games this year by just dropping the football and fumbling the football. So you can't have that. I know the season's over, but unless you're 100% confident this guy won't do that next year, you can't put him on the field. But I think this was a good game for him, confidence-building game, and that's exactly what he needed. I won't go so as far as to say he's lost them games this season, but I'll tell you what, Bayless Jones Jr. has definitely taken them out of position to win games. When there's 12 losses on the ledger, there's a lot of blame to go around on who's causing oh, losses. So uh, it's certainly a positive to see him play better than he has all season. But, of course, when the bar is that low, when you're talking about the floor, I mean, there was really only one way to go. You're either going to stay on the floor or you're going to get up. That, that, and that's what he did. He got up. So Bayless Jones Jr. had a great – game uh, compared to what he had been doing, raising the bar perhaps for what he can do the next couple of weeks as they take on 
Uh, the Detroit Lions on the road, Vikings at home. So we're talking about the positives. Got to hit on the negatives. And a couple things jump out to me. You're not going to beat teams in the NFL unless you can get pressure on the quarterback. And one thing I have seen consistently through 15 games is the Bears cannot get any pressure on the quarterback without a blitz, without extra people coming at the quarterback. The defensive line is the worst defensive line in football. Am I, am I overstating things when I say that? They are by far the worst defensive line in, in football. And I got a stat for you, Marshall. So they've had a couple of sacks, but um, they ended a five-game drought when Travis Gibson got a quarterback hit against the Bills. For the first time in five games, they registered a statistical quarterback hit just just wrap your head around that for a second they is haven't got bad? a hit is that bad <laughs> that they are by far the worst team in the league when it comes to sacks but now you can't even get a hit on the quarterback for five games this does uh these quarterbacks are back there just holding the ball not a worry in the world just deciding what they want josh allen i saw him yawn a couple times back there he had so much time that's the number one thing if you want to talk about the bad obviously it's the defensive line but we did get a quarterback hit so, I mean, maybe that's an improvement first time in five games. But the, the Bears, number one need this offseason, we've said it once, we've said it twice, and we'll say it again, is 100% the D-line. you got to get some pressure because as good as this secondary has been playing, they're not going to be an elite secondary until you get some pressure on the quarterback. It's a symbiotic relationship like the Philadelphia Eagles first in the league in sacks why why do uh Darius Slay and James Bradbury have the best worst actually rating against in the league they have it's the hardest for quarterbacks to throw against those two guys because they're under pressure when they're throwing when they're throwing the ball against those two guys they don't have time so they have to get it out early and it only gives them a few seconds to have to cover and they can cover them tighter obviously with less time to cover so that's something that's going to improve the secondary, improve the whole defense. And, you know, I wrote down something here, Marshall. It's funny you said this. So here is the order of sacks in the NFL for, and for teams, okay? Eagles are number one. They happen to be the best team in football. Patriots are number two. You know, they're, they're middle of the road right now. Cowboys, number three. Cowboys, 10-11 win team. Chiefs. Number four in sacks, best team in the AFC, second best team in the AFC besides the Buffalo Bills, uh, maybe the, the, the Bengals. Ravens, number five, good team, playoff team. 49ers, number six, one of the best teams in the NFL, NFC, probably the second best besides Eagles. So you look at those teams, you can look at the teams that are the number, the best teams in sacks. Those are the, those are the best teams in the league. Those are the teams with the best defenses. So you literally know that's a correlation, a trend that you can't deny. A team that gets pressure on the quarterback is going to be a good team. It disrupts the whole game plan. How are teams able to beat the Tom Brady Patriots in the, in the postseason for years ago? You, it's the great equalizer. I don't care who you are, quarterback. I don't care what kind of offense you're coming from. If you can just rush four guys and get pressure on the quarterback, that changes your entire defense, which changes your team the bears do not get pressure on the quarterback that's why 
one of the reasons, many reasons, they only have three wins on the season and they're in position maybe to get the number one pick overall. I uh, just want to hit a couple more things. Justin Fields, you know, throwing the ball, considering what he has, that's one thing. But I, I was very impressed by what the Bills were able to do to him. We talked about him possibly breaking Lamar Jackson's single-season rushing record for a quarterback. He did not help his cause on Saturday. Seven rushes, 11 yards, and as a team, 29 carries for, what, 80 yards for the Bears? So, like, it, it was not happening. And that's the number one rushing offense uh, in the league coming in, and the Bills shut that down. Yeah, they did. So have they unveiled like this master key of how to to slow down Justin Fields, or do they just have the personnel to pull that off? I think obviously you got to look at the conditions, and you know I wasn't thrilled with some of the play calling after the game, but you know looking back and rewatching it, he was trying to play a little more conservative. I think because the play, because the weather, and then also got to realize the bears were very limited at offensive line at Larry Borum. We had a tough game, but you got to respect the guy for he's a right tackle. He moves into left guard. You know, this guy's playing guard as a tackle. That's not easy to do. I mean, they're they're piecing guys together. Riley reef played well. Braxton Jones played well. Besides that, you know, Musfer had a tough game. Borum had a tough game. I think, I mean, there was, there was some, uh, some tough game. Schofield didn't play well, but with what he's been given, I thought that, it was a tough game to call for Getzey. I wanted him to open it up a little more. Even after the bomb to Velas Jones, he run the ball three straight times. I don't know, open it up a little bit. I thought Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott, they're two defensive masterminds. They've been playing against running quarterbacks for years. Sean McDermott was on the Eagles when they had Michael Vick. You know, they, they play against Lamar Jackson in the AFC, and they've had time. They know what you're supposed to do. You got to keep eyes on the quarterback. You got to get, you got to spy him. We're in a lot of zone defense when your eyes are front. When you start running man-to-man and blissing this guy, that's when you open up lanes. They didn't have to do that. So there was not much space for Fields to run the ball, and I thought that Getze could have maybe done a little more in the the quarterback run category where you're actually calling some runs. You, you only, I think there's only like three of those. Could have probably done a few more, but he probably wanted to keep Fields healthy, and at this point he, he maybe he didn't see the reason why to put him in harm's way. But overall, you know, I thought Fields did a decent job. He had two big drops. Other than that, I mean, he would have um, he, he went 15 to 23. He should have been 17, 18 to 23. The Cole Komet drop. Um, David Montgomery had a drop. So overall, I, I think he played okay. His rating was 92.5. I still think he needs to get the ball out quicker. That's not his his strength. His strength is obviously his athletic ability and his playmaking ability, but. You know, overall, with everything accounted for, the weather, the offensive line, the weapons that he had, I guess I understand that Getty is not playing with a full deck here. It's tough to make these play calls. But what do you got to lose? They're not going to win some games. Open this up. Get field some, some more options. Start calling some more creative plays, in my opinion. But I've been on those teams that you're really limited as far as your personnel, and that makes it difficult. So the Bears, unable to get the win, uh, they, they got two more chances to get a win. We'll talk about that in a moment. But first, it's time for halftime, Clay. It's time for halftime. You know, halftime, we, we, we try to take a peek at what, what's going on with Clay Harbor, the man who says he's on a journey to find Mrs. Harbor. That's still the case, right? Still the case, man. I'm still looking. Okay. So, 
I ask you often about, you know, how you're meeting these women. And I was like, well, are you on dating apps, Clay? Are you, are you on dating apps? Is that like a thing, a part of your life? Currently, at this moment, I am not, but I have been in the past. Why are you not right now, though? You gotta, I, I've always told people who are like, oh, I don't really like the apps. Um, it just takes a lot of time. Like, you have to, yeah, okay, so now it's like you match with someone, and then you start this conversation. You're trying to get to know them to see if you want to go out. And then it's like, it's just like a lot of work. And like right now with school and, you know, I got a couple of things going on that I've been working on. And, you know, I got some trips coming up. So it's like, it's just, it's a tough time to really be on the apps right now. But I think there's a possibility for the apps to, to work. I've had some friends that's worked for. I've had people that hate them that they, they run into people and they say it's just kind of like a hookup thing. They find out that there's like a lot of hookup culture out there on these apps. And when you meet someone on the app, obviously they're on the app too. So you know they're going to have tons of options and they're already talking to a bunch of other people. Some people don't like that. So there's some give and take. It's an easier way to meet someone. You don't have to spend the time going out to a bar or trying to meet someone organically. And you can kind of be more intentional about it and meet someone that way. But the negative is obviously they're going to be seeing or talking to a lot of other people and probably going on several dates, which some people have a hard time with knowing that there's that extra competition out there. And then the fact that you will run into some people that are just on the apps to have fun and they're not looking for the same thing you're looking for. A lot of guys in the apps are kind of just looking to hook up or something like that instead of a real relationship. But I, I think it depends also on which app you're on. And, and that, that that differs, which well, app I well, think is different. Right. A, a couple of things strike me. Uh, first of all, I just I'm just curious. Does it depend on which app you use? Like how quickly you're actually meeting someone? Like how do you go about? Like I'm on an app. I swiped on you. You swiped on me. Let's meet. You're saying it takes a lot of time, but can it be as simple as like, okay, we met. Let's see if we like each other in real life. Get coffee. It can't be that simple. It could be that simple, but I feel like the most most of the time it's like the guy who needs to go out of his way. And you got to realize that this girl has 20 guys that she's matched with, right? That you know, 20 guys to match with her. Now all these guys are trying to get her out for coffee, so you probably got to say something a little more creative. Hey, like, you know, say something funny, catch her attention, and then you ask her out to coffee. So it's not as easy as Hey, let's just go out to coffee because you got to realize there's a lot of options out there if you're on these dating apps. So you got to kind of up the ante, if you will, because yeah, you got to you got to separate yourself. You got to peacock somehow. You got to stand out, so to speak, if you really want to, you know, be the guy that the girls want to date from the apps. So how do you, what, how do you peacock? What, what, what's your what's your technique there? Um. I don't know, man. I, I, I'll throw, maybe I'll throw in an NFL picture occasionally. I don't know. Like you just gotta be funny. You show you travel picture of traveling, you try to show who you are, picture you with your family. You just, you know, you try to portray yourself in a good way. Good life. This, this, this goes back to my original point, which is you Clay Harbor are a front facing guy. You're, you're, you're at the front of the house. You're, you're, you're the, you're the server. When you walk into a restaurant, you want to see something <laughs> attractive to invite you into the restaurant. I'm a back of the kitchen guy. Like while you're you're pretty facing off, I'm telling you what I'm cooking up in the back. That's what's gonna keep him coming back for more. Hey, that's true, man. I got I got to figure something out there. I got to come up with more. Um, I don't know, like more substance on these dates. Well, you say, you're the one who says girls don't like muscles, but I'm telling you, Clay. My DMs, anytime I post anything from this podcast, a picture, whatever, they're salivating over Clay Harbor. So I 
vehemently disagree with your assessment there. My assessment is this. People make this, we'll end with this and get back to bears, but people, women always say, I want a tall guy. They want, it's like, oh, the guy's the tall guys, the, the big guys, 250, 64, whatever. In my experience with my friend group, my short friends get all the girls. They, those are the guys, to me, my shorter friends, they get a ton of women. And, like, the big guys, like myself and a couple other buddies, I feel like we're not, not like we're, like, trying that hard to do it. But, like, I, from my perspective, I just don't think that there is a correlation between height, muscles, and the amount of women, women like. I don't, I don't see the correlation, and I haven't seen it. Obviously, in football, I hung out with all football players, so we were all kind of the big guy. But now, when I'm hanging out with a bunch of restaurant guys, business guys, finance guys, I don't see a correlation in muscles, fitness, shape, and height between the amount of women. It's now more of, um, I don't know, it's just personality in, in, in that much. I don't think the height and the physical aspect matters to women as much as it does to men. We physically age, but personality-wise, we just continue to evolve and get better and better Absolutely. and better. So we'll check in on Clay next time on Halftime, see if he's making any progress with his goals. Back to the Bears, though. Uh, one thing we got to talk about is the weather around here. It's yeah. finally starting to warm up in Chicago. It's going to hit 50 this weekend, Clay. 50. My shirt's off. My shirt's off. I'm walking around the city. I think it will be crazy. You'll see guys walking around in shorts and stuff when it hits 50 after having sub-zero temperatures uh, a week ago. And you so, go to Florida, it's 50 degrees. Like my, I lived in Jacksonville. I played with the Jaguars. You go to Florida, they're, they're bundled up in coats for 50 yeah. degrees. Phoenix, I used to train out there at Exos. And they're, they're bundled up in big coats. I'm out here in a T-shirt. Like, dude, aren't you cold? Oh, bro, I'm, I'm, from, I'm from central Illinois, live in Chicago for over 10 years. This ain't cold. It's 50 degrees. This is a nice spring day. It's hilarious. So that being said, the Bears playing outdoors – you want to talk about Arlington Park and moving there. They're definitely going to get a dome when they move there. Uh, and, and they're definitely moving. We, we can agree on that, right? No, there's, there's no way they're staying. I, there's there's still hope. What hope? What hope? You, you want to play. These, 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 these teams are not teams anymore. They are businesses. And number one business these days is owning land and developing land. And that's exactly what they're going to do. You saw it with the Cubs. Wrigley Field and all the land around Wrigley Field. Same thing's going to happen when they move to Arlington Park and create new businesses, shopping, uh, might have a gambling tie-in. Like, it's, it's going to be a whole thing. All right, Marshall. So let me ask you this. After the weather, you know, frigid game, windy, cold, the field was hard as you had. Uh, Singletary said it was like playing on concrete. Josh Allen said it was the hardest field he's ever played on. The fans, people, you know, complained. People had got frostbite in the game. So after hearing that, Chicago Bears football is partly about the weather. It's about Chicago weather, the elements who can handle them better, give Chicago the home field advantage. But would you rather see them in Arlington Park with a dome, with a, with a big-time facility that they created, or would you rather see them here in Chicago? You live in the city. You live of in the loop. Yeah, Clay, of course I'd rather see them in Chicago. I'm selfish. I can walk to Soldier Field in 20 minutes. I want to continue that. I don't, 
The idea of having to drive all the way to Arlington Park and get stuck in that traffic on a game day is nightmarish. Of course I want them to stay there. I just understand reality and money, 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 money. Yeah. I I was just driving down. I went down to the suburbs to see my mom. I'm, I'm from Dwight, Illinois. If any of you guys have ever heard of Dwight, it's a very small town, central Illinois. It's about an hour and a half south on I-55 near Bloomington Normal. So on the way back, you know, I just drive, cruise I-55 all the way up to the city, and I took Lakeshore Drive. Sometimes I'll get off on 9094, but I took Lakeshore Drive. And, man, that, that drive in the city, it's just incredible. Iconic. You're just, you, you, you drive past, you just, it opens up the whole city. And one of the best things about that drive, that cruise in the city, the best memories I have from my childhood, going to Soldier Field on the lakefront, Right off Lakeshore Drive, Soldier Field, Chicago Bears Stadium. It's just a part of Chicago. For me, I can't imagine the Chicago Bears not playing in Chicago. For me, I, I've just been a Bears fan my, my entire 35 years of existence. I've been going to Soldier Field, Lakeshore Drive. It is Chicago. It is Chicago Bears. And it's tough for me to think that now this is going to be out in the suburbs. It's not on the lakefront. It's not in this beautiful area of Chicago, in the greatest city in our country, in my opinion. That's tough for me. That's tough for me. It's a tough pill for me to swallow. I want the Chicago Bears in Chicago. Listen, I appreciate that beautiful soliloquy. You know, I hope you get nominated for an award for, for just reaching into the nostalgia of bear seasons past. <laughs> but the reality is <laughs> cash rules everything around me. Cream, get the money. Dollar dollar bill, y'all. They don't care. They'll be like, we'll, we'll build you new nostalgia out here in the birds. That's what the bears are going to say, say to you. So I, I, I appreciate where you're coming from, you and millions of other bears fans, but it doesn't change the reality. They're going to go get that money. You can't let this team leave the city if you are the city of Chicago. Look, you know how many people come into the city of Chicago to see a Bears game, to watch the Bears, to stay in the hotel, eat at the restaurants? It's Chicago Bears. Now all that tourism is going out to Arlington Park. They're going to stay out there now because they don't want to drive from the city to Arlington Park and stay in Chicago. It just, it, it, to me, it is a disaster, a tragedy. And I know people are going to say, oh, you look at Dallas and you look at all these other cities. They're not a city like, oh, you look at New York. They, okay, New York City is different. New York City is three times, four times the size of Chicago. New York City is different, in my opinion. There's nowhere. I couldn't even imagine New York City having the, the, the Jets or the Giants there. And I know they're over. But, they're, I mean, they're right there in the Meadowlands. It's a quick, quick subway ride. And I guess you could get to Arlington Park in an hour on the train and back, but it just makes it difficult. And in my opinion, I can't believe you're, you're making, you're building a casino and you're going to let the bears go. You're letting these big time corporations leave the city and then the bears leave the you city. Saying, and then you keep saying letting, hold on, hold on. You keep saying letting, but like the new stadium is going to have the suites, the boxes, the, like all the stuff that soldier field does not. And there's nothing they can do about Soldier Field not having certain things. You can, okay, here's what you're going to do. You are going to remodel it. You are going to upgrade Soldier Field. They already did they, that, Clay. They can do it again. They've nah. done it to Dolphin Stadium. They've done it to several stadiums. You can. Yeah, but, but now 
the Bears are going to own that land, own the stadium outright. They're going to have NCAA Final Fours out there. Like, that's how big this dome is going to be and how nice it's going to be. It's going to be everything that they have in Indianapolis, but now in Chicago-ish. So, yeah. I Look, I appreciate your want. I'm just telling you your want is lesser than the reality of what's going to happen. I, I'm sorry, man. I feel bad for you. Like, I feel bad for all Chicago Bears fans. I get it. But the reality is companies going to get this money. And, they and, want the money, man. They, and it's yeah. And we live in Chicago, so we, we're selfish. I'm being selfish. I live in Chicago. I don't, being, I, don't, I don't think you're being selfish. I just think the city of Chicago didn't do enough. They didn't have the foresight to say, hey, this is what could possibly happen and plan for that. And now it's too it's late. It's going to hurt the city of Chicago. It's this will be, be one of the big, not going to be good. The city of Chicago is going to, um, and that's what hurts me is because I love the city of Chicago. Moving on, uh, two games left, Clay. Two games left. We know what Justin Fields is. I'm not saying I've given up on my whole thing about I just want to see him win a game with his yeah. arm. But given what he has left, given where the Bears, you know, defense is, uh, all the people have been shut down. Should the Bears shut down Justin Fields? You know, that's a, that's an interesting question because obviously you don't want him to get injured. And then also what comes into that is – you know the draft. If if you're not playing Justin Fields, I mean your your chance of of winning goes from slim to none. You know you're not going to win a game with Nathan Peterman, and if you if you if you really are in it for the for the tank, you want that number one pick. And the number one the difference between this year, the number one pick and the number two pick is huge. You know why? Everybody knows the Houston Texans are drafting quarterback. Everybody knows that. If you want Bryce Young, you want the chance to get Bryce Young and the Bears hold that number one pick, they could get a haul. A team that knows the Texans are going to go for them, that need to, jump the, need to jump the Texans, get that pick, would be willing to take their entire draft to do that. So this number one pick, the difference between the one and two could be a huge difference to a team that needs a quarterback. The Bears don't need a quarterback. They know the Bears are open for business. The Bears have a ton of holes on this team. So not only would you protect Justin Fields, obviously he got a little banged up. He can't put weight on his foot right now. He got stepped on. His shoulder, I heard in the, in the press conference, was a little bit banged up too. So he's got two little bumps and bruises. Eberflus says, hey, we need to get better. We need to see where we are. Justin Fields is 100% playing. Justin Fields is playing. If he can play, he's playing. He's already said that. But in my opinion... I think there's a conversation that might need to be had. Keep Justin Fields healthy. He's a little banged up. You don't risk lose, winning the game. And in the long run, is this win going to help more? Or is maybe getting that number one pick going to help more? So, so you saying that, though, but if the Bears do end up with the number one pick, and you're talking about you know teams want to jump over the Texans, is, is someone that high on Bryce Young, you think, that they want to jump over the Texans to get him as a quarterback, or would they just wait for another quarterback where, they, where they're drafting? I think it depends. It depends. Because the Texans like, know at number two, they don't have to worry about the Bears drafting a quarterback. But other teams that want Bryce Young, if you fall in love with him, we don't know. who. Maybe another quarterback jumps out in this post-college you know, football season. We start getting into the combine, into the visits, into the pro day, into the all-star games, the senior bowl, East-West Shrine game. You can fall in love with a player and end up giving – the last team that traded the first overall pick 
Listen to this. The Titans traded their number one pick to the Rams. Okay? The Titans got the Rams' first-round pick that year, number 15, two seconds that year. So first-round pick, two seconds, a third round. And then they got their first and third round the next year as well. And then in return, the Rams got the first pick in the draft, the fourth and the sixth-round pick that year. So you got a haul. I mean, that's a lot of players. You got this year's first round, next year's first round, two seconds, a third, a third next season. And that so was for that Jared being Goff, said, right? That was for Jared yes, Goff. Jared Goff. How'd that work out? <laughs> Not great. But, hey, they, they ended up – took him on a path to win a Super Bowl. Yes. But that being said, with a similar haul, all those picks – I mean, the Bears, you got you got to trade the pick if you're yeah. getting all that. Yeah, because you need help at so many different positions – you can address a bunch of stuff, still have the cap room to supplement your team with veterans and guys who can be explosive playmakers. In my opinion, if that's the haul they get, I don't want to be a guy that misses out on a generational talent. Say Michael Parsons, you know, either you know Jalen Carter or Will Anderson end up being Michael Parsons or Von Miller, somebody like that. I don't want to be the guy looking back that says, man, you know, I really missed out on those guys. But this team needs a lot of players. We already talked about how important that pass rush is. So that's the only other side of the conversation. It and, depends and how I, much I you like these guys. Michael Parsons, you can find him later than the first pick in the draft. Like, there are guys who can help you like that. If you do a good job of scouting, you can find them later on in the draft. So, and that's later in the first round, second round. We, we've seen players make such big contributions. They were not top one, two, three, four, five picks. So that's on this, Ryan Poles and his scouting department to figure it out. Meanwhile, I go back to the age-old question before we leave people on this tell the truth Monday on a Tuesday. <laughs> yep. Are the Bears getting another win? I think, I think they might be able to, to win one of these two games. But it's going to take, take near-perfect games on offense and defense unless the Vikings sit a bunch of people because they're knocked out. Yeah, I got a feeling that the Bears are going to win one of these games, and I'm not happy about it, honestly. I, I'm a guy that loves to win. It? I'm a guy that loves to win. I know you want to win games, but at this point, I'm looking at this opportunity. I think the Texans can win another game. I don't think they're going to beat the Jaguars, but I think the Texans can win another game. They got a tie. If the Bears lose two, the Texans win one. The Bears will have the number one pick. I would love to go into the offseason knowing the Bears had the number one pick and what you can do with that. I'm sorry. I want to see the Bears win. I know they've lost their last eight. I don't want to see him end the season on a 10-game losing streak. But looking at the one versus the two, I think this year those two picks would be the best. Would, I mean, the number one pick would be a huge difference in the number two pick. Okay. But you think the Bears are going to win one of these games? Which one they got a better chance of winning? I'm thinking they, they beat the Vikings because the Vikings got it on lock and they know they're not going to change their position and they probably won't play all their starters in the last game of the season. Probably give them a rest. I'll keep an eye on that. I think they have a good chance against the, the Lions, who look very beatable, taking on a, a, the Panthers, who did what? But they're still playing for a playoff game. Say it again? They're still playing for the playoffs, though, the Lions. Yeah, but, I mean, the Bears are a formidable team who can run the ball, last I yeah. checked, and that's how the Panthers beat them. Sam Darnold, is he better than Justin Fields? No. And last I checked, Chubba Hubbard and uh, – who was it? Deontay Foreman just run, ran all over them. All over them. So we'll see, how that, we'll see how that shakes out. And they well, should have won the last time they played. 
we'll, we'll talk more in depth about this game this week against the Lions and that matchup. Uh, but you know what? It's, it's time to say goodbye, Clay. Before we do that, you know you got to give a shout-out to the sponsor. Absolutely, man. Joy District. Is, you know, New Year's Eve is coming up. They got great deals for New Year's Eve packages. Hit them up. Joy District. The three floors of joy. You got the first floor. You go out. You know, it's a sports bar. You watch a game. You grab a beer. Good bar food. You know, the rooftop. On a date. Nice romantic cocktail. Good spot to go. And then you already know where Marshall's at. Marshall's on the second floor. He's at the club. He's dancing. He's dancing at the club. So you go to that second floor of joy. You know, it's the party. That's where you probably want to be on New Year's Eve. It's going to be a lot of beautiful ladies there, a lot of uh, eligible bachelors, no pun intended. And uh, you should go check out Joy District, best club in the city. One day Clay will take me there. He hasn't taken me there yet. so We'll do it. One, one day he'll take me. Maybe next, maybe next week we'll celebrate the end of the season. Yeah, uh, that's what we got to do. Maybe, maybe that's what will happen. But until then, we will catch you guys and get you ready for the final Bears road game of the season. New Year's Day in Detroit. Until then, for Clay Harbor, Marshall Harris, and thanks for joining us on this latest edition of a Tell the Truth Monday on a Tuesday of the Bear Minimum Podcast. <laughs>